In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. Well, an appropriately solemn and penitent first Sunday of Lent to you all. You can laugh at that. That's kind of funny. Well, it's good to be back uh, with all of you here on this first Sunday of Lent. For those of you that don't know, uh, my wife and I welcomed our first son into the world January 22nd. Uh, and I've been on paternity leave, praise God, for three weeks, but I'm back. Uh, you know, I've gotten a little sleep. Everyone asks me, do you sleep? A little bit. Yeah. When he sleeps, we sleep. <laughs> and so it's good to be back. I'm reminded of Gene Autry. I'm back in the saddle again. Right? <laughs> so today on the first Sunday of Lent, oh, and before I move on, my wife encourage me to thank all of you for not only your prayers and your thoughts and your words of kindness, but also for the meals uh, and uh, all the goodness and uh, all the good things that you've given to Joel and to us. Uh, Before I move on, I had to say that because we are truly thankful. But here on the first Sunday of Lent, we read of our Lord's temptation in the wilderness. I'm reminded of an old PBS special that I saw when uh, I was younger called Alone in the Wilderness. Alone in the Wilderness is about a man named Dick Pernicky. And if you know Dick Pernicky, you know that he is a man's man. He lived uh, in the wilderness of Alaska alone, uh, building his own cabin, using tools he made with his own hands, eating food that he made with his own two hands, he lived alone in the wilderness. And as he lived alone in the wilderness, he filmed himself and they made a documentary about him. And it's awe-inspiring. It's amazing. It's a perfect image of rugged American individualism. This man lived a year alone in the wilderness. And when asked why, or when he was musing to himself as to why he would do something like this, he said this, I suppose, too, that I was here to test myself. Not that I had never done it before, but this time it was to be a more thorough and lasting examination. What was I capable of that I did not know yet? Could I truly enjoy my own company for an entire year? And anybody that knows the story of Dick Pernicky knows that he did indeed live in the wilderness alone for a year. And then he continued another 29 years doing the same thing. He fell in love with his solitude in the wilderness. And it's tempting to see our Lord's journey in the wilderness in a similar way. Why would Jesus go into the wilderness? Was it to enjoy his own company for a while before entering into full-time ministry? Was it to test himself to see whether he could do it or not? If we look closely at our text, we see that this is not true. Jesus is not a Dick Pernicky. The Gospel of Mark says this, The Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild animals and the angels were ministering to him. So right away in this very brief account of Jesus's wilderness journey, we see that it was the spirit which drove him 
out into the wilderness. It wasn't his curiosity as to whether he could do it or not. Rather, it was the plan of God which drove him out into the wilderness. And as Dick Pernicky explains why he would journey alone in the wilderness, I would like to discuss a little today as to why our Lord would journey in the wilderness. Here at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, Christ himself suffers temptation. There's little detail in the Gospel of Mark as to how Satan tempts him in the wilderness. And this sparse detail forces us to reckon with the why. We could get wrapped up in the details of how Satan tempted him, but Mark presses us further into asking why. Hebrews says this, that Jesus had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Here in this passage of Hebrews, we understand a little bit of why Jesus would suffer temptation in the wilderness. For he is to be our great high priest. He is our mediator. He is our advocate. And not only is he our mediator and advocate, but he is also our propitiation, our sacrifice for sin. And here in this very short episode in the wilderness... Mark presses us to ask why. Why would Jesus suffer in the wilderness? Why would he subject himself to the, himself to the temptation in the wilderness? First, we know that the Spirit drove him into the wilderness. So it is the will of God that he be tempted by Satan. And he was tempted so that he might have compassion on those who are being t- tempted. Christ is our comfort in this life and in the life to come. This life is full of temptation. This life is full of dry wilderness episodes for us. We find ourselves, like Dick Pernicky, alone in the wilderness. And unlike Dick Pernicky, we don't find it quite as enjoyable. But our Lord enters into the wilderness for us so that he might be like his brothers in every respect. For the eternal word became man and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the only Son of the Father. And this incarnate word was driven into the wilderness for our sake. These three words, for our sake, which can be found in the old prayer book, tells us all that we need about Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. It answers the question as to why Jesus did anything that he did. He did it for our sake. Jesus was tempted by Satan in the wilderness for our sake. Christ sympathizes with our weakness. He subjected himself to the temptation of Satan so that he might be our great high priest, 
able to sympathize with his brothers, able to sympathize with those whom he dwelled among, able to sympathize for those he died for. It's because of his life, death, and resurrection for our sake that we are able to have a relationship with God Almighty. Because he suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. And this Lenten season, this 40 days, is designed, the church calendar is designed to help us, to remind us that this world is a world of temptation. That our adversary, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour We are honest about the temptations that we all face. And Peter immediately impresses us as as to the right response when we see our roaring lion adversary, the devil, prowling about. Resist him firm in your faith. Resist him firm in the faith of the God who became man for our sake. Resist him firm in your faith in Christ, who is able to sympathize with us who are being tempted. Resist him firm in your faith in the Christ, who is our comfort in this life and the next. In the early life of the church, persecution was rampant. The Roman government would take Christians and would throw them into the Colosseum. To be with the wild animals. The Colosseum was a bloody and nasty thing. We think of it uh, in terms of gladiator as some type of valiant and wonderful thing. But if you actually watch gladiator, you realize that it was a very horrible thing. Thankfully, it was abolished in about the 300s A.D. But before it was abolished, Christians would be rounded up and thrown into the Colosseum to be killed by wild animals. They would be martyred for the faith. They would be thrown in with no weapons. They were not like Russell Crowe. They did not have a means to defend themselves. They were killed for the enjoyment of spectators. And I remember sitting in Greek class, going through the Gospel of Mark and My Greek professor, Dr. Todd, said, why do you think Mark would point out that Jesus was with the wild animals? None of us had an answer. And he said it was to comfort those who feared going to the Colosseum. For we know that Christ has entered into the wilderness and was with the wild animals. He himself was tempted as we are yet without sin. And because he was tempted, because he was with the wild animals, he is able to comfort those who are being tempted. He is able to comfort those who are in the wilderness. He is able to comfort us who find ourselves in this wild and woolly world. He's able to comfort those who are being tempted by the devil. He is able to invite us into his 40 days. That is what Lent is. Lent is not a time for us to journey into the wilderness alone. We journey into the wilderness with Christ 
who is our comfort both in this life and in the next. For he is able to sympathize with his brothers. Not only is he our advocate and mediator, the one who can advocate on our behalf to the Father, who is seated at the right hand of the Father, advocating for us at this moment. As good a news as that is, we remain in sin. We remain in our flesh. And so Jesus is not only our mediator and advocate, but he is also our propitiation. He is also our sin offering. For Christ not only was born and lived a life for our sake, he also died for our sake. He became sin who knew no sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. He became sin who knew no sin so that we might come boldly before the throne of grace. Paul says that I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And as Paul faced the wild animals, as Paul faced the wilderness, as Paul faced trials and temptations, he knew that the life he lived was hid in Christ, who was tempted for our sake. For this Lent, know that you do not enter into the wilderness by yourself. As you journey through the valley of the shadow of death, know that by faith, the Lord is with you. And that Christ himself died for sinners. This Lent, we remember that, yes, we are sinners. We are fallen. We are limited human beings. But God remembers that we are but dust. As the colic for Ash Wednesday says, we are made of dust. That he hates nothing that he has created. And invites us all to repent from our sins and turn to him who died for our sake. Christ was incarnate for our sake. He was baptized, fasted, and tempted for our sake. He endured the agony and bloody sweat of the cross for our sake, was crucified, died, and was buried for our sake. And indeed, he rose again on the third day for our sake and has ascended to the right hand of the Father For our sake. And he is coming again. For our sake. As the Pharisees and the other teachers ask Jesus why his disciples do not fast. He says, how can you fast when the bridegroom is with you? There will be a day when I leave and they will fast. And this is the time when we find ourselves. We do fast. For we await our bridegroom. He is, has not come yet, but he is coming and he is coming soon. And our fasting will turn to feasting and we will see face to face the one who lived, died and rose again and indeed is coming back for our sake. And so this Lent, I encourage you to keep it holy. To keep a holy Lent is not to keep a perfect Lent. To keep a holy Lent means to keep it wholly given to the Lord. To keep a holy Lent means to stay focused on the one who died, who 
who and rose again for our sake. For this 40 days is his 40 days that he invites us to participate in as we await his coming again. And then when he comes again, we will fast no more. We will weep no more. And until then, we pray with the hymnist, teach us with thee to mourn our sins and close by thee to stay. Christ is closer to us than we could ever be to ourselves. He is closer than a brother. And to those who have faith in him, those who have faith in the one who lived and died and rose again for our sake, he gives us the right to become children of God. He calls us brothers. He calls us sisters. He calls us his own. And because he calls us his own, we know that he has sympathy with us. He journeyed with us, not only for those 40 days, but a whole life lived, a death and a resurrection for our sake. And so I encourage you this Lent to remember that Christ is for us. Christ is not against us. He does not hate that which he made, that which he redeemed. And that which he will glorify. Christ loves us. Christ loves us so much that he died on the cross for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And as we await our coming bridegroom, we celebrate the feast every Sunday. We have many Easter's during this Lent, knowing and professing his love towards us as we await his coming again. And as we await his coming again, let us pray with the psalmist, or with the hymnist. Teach us with thee to mourn our sins, and close by thee to stay. Let us pray. Lord, who throughout these 40 days did for us fast and pray. Teach us with thee to mourn our sins and close by thee to stay. Amen.